Hello, everyone. Welcome to another great episode of the Worldcraft Club. Before we get into it, I do want to remind you that we're going to be celebrating Punk Sember this coming month. Whether you're as excited as we are for Cyberpunk 2077, which is coming out on December 10th, or maybe you've never heard of it. Either way, you should join us for a deep dive into CD Projekt Red's Cyberpunk World of 2077. But enough about the future. Let's talk about the present. Today's episode is Star Wars, good or bad? And we are going to be exhaustively answering that question. And by we, I mean me and James. Hello, James. How are you doing today? Hi, Seth. Yeah, geez, you ate your Wheaties. Look at you. You're, know, just, right? you're just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. How about that? Mm-hmm. We were both drinking heavily. <laughs> I find it helps. So, <laughs> let's talk today about Star Wars, good or bad. Now, this is not actually an episode about whether Star Wars is good or whether Star Wars is bad. I think it has had a long enough run that we can all admit there's some staying power behind it. But I think it's also fair to say that most fans are going to agree with the statement that the recent iterations, the recent products, the recent offerings that have come out of the Star Wars universe have been divisive at the very least and have lacked a certain something to the true fan at the very worst. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been it, it's been a weird it's been a weird time for Star Wars fans. This. It has been a weird time for Star Wars fans. Indeed. A weird and uncertain time. That's right. So instead of talking about the strict merits of Star Wars, because I think both of us are fans. Uh, oh yeah. Of this of the Star Wars universe, um, the, just all, the whole thing the the movies, um, the books, the games. You know. I've spent a ton of time immersing myself in Star Wars. I think today what we want to talk about is Star Wars from a world-building perspective. Is it good or is it bad? I'm sorry, I'm going to redo that. I think what we want to talk about today is Star Wars from a world-building perspective. And rather than categorically deciding whether it's good or bad, I think we want to talk about what's good in Star Wars and what's maybe a little bit less than good. What's bad? Yeah. Does that sound fair? Yeah, that sums it up. That sums it up pretty good. I mean, Star Star Wars is kind of one of those things that like everything about it really shouldn't work from like a world building perspective, right? Like agreed. They're single biome planets. You've got um, a whole pile. You've got essentially a magic system that has very few rules attached to it. And the rules that do get attached to it, like Medichlorian counts and things like that, seem really contrived and don't really make a lot of sense, especially when you're dealing with things that like about like prophecy. And then you talk about things like force nexuses, nexi or whatever, whole pile of different things you can throw in. Yeah, it just it's, gets really hairy. It, it does. And what I think we'll find is that Star Wars is a whole bunch of soft systems oh, yeah. that they tried to make hard 
and then abandoned at some point. It's like they took a bunch of gummy bears, mashed them together, put it in the oven for a little while, and then took it out and tried to separate the gummy bears again. And yes. it's just it's it's just not going to work. It's going to be one flavor, and the color will be brown. And like that's that's just what we wound up with. Because literally, when, when we're talking about Star Wars, we're talking about like you know, it, 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 it's some weird mash of like Jim Henson's puppetry and like a fantasy and a science fiction. And like, a, a, there's kind of like neon colored lasers and a monster that was literally at the time of its creation, a hole in the ground. Like that was it. It's like the song yeah. was a hole. And it had so like- I've got an idea about this. Oh yeah? Yeah, I've got, I've got a theory about this. Mm. I think that Star Wars became so popular because- it has enough hard science fiction to appeal to the really, really committed science fiction fans, but it is enough fantasy to have mass market appeal. And so I think that the hard science fiction that they tried to, that they tried to use hmm. gave it its longevity. Yeah. And the mass appeal of the fantasy elements of space wizards is what has allowed it to grow over time into the huge behemoth that it has become. Yeah, I mean, you, you could make the argument as well if we're going to take into account. So, so when here's the deal as well. When we're talking about Star Wars, one of the things that's that's kind of interesting is we often talk about how world building is inseparable from medium, right? Yeah. And Star Wars spans many media. All of right? them. It, it is there is. I don't think there is a form of artistic expression that Star Wars has not in some way that's touched. Right. You know, let's go Weird Al. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, there's no, there's even, even like satire, like it's, it's, it's amazing. Like it's, they've not avoided space balls. You know, it's like yes. everybody, everything, it's touched everything. And um, even that weird Christmas special that nobody talks about. Um, yeah. But like, it's kind of impacted all of these different genre. And so like, when you're talking about the hard sci-fi and the longevity, I think you're really talking about the, the expanded universe, right? Which has been kind yeah, of now, now really kind of kicked out of the canon, right? They kicked it to the canon. Sort of. They're starting to reintroduce some things, well, which I, is a really interesting choice because, because Disney, yeah, they, they made a bet and it didn't work out. Well, and I think they're backtracking a little bit. Well, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. And, and like, here's the deal. I'm waiting for Revan like, and I have been for freaking right. ages because like they, they, they did the whole new series. And I kept thinking Kylo Ren sounds a little like Revan. He's talking about the Knights of Ren. There's a lot of talk about gray Jedi and right. like, it's not unheard of in the Star Wars series for something to just be misnamed for a long period of time. And then they go, actually, yeah. it was this thing the whole time. And so I was like right. waiting for them to go, they're uncovering the mythology of Revan. That's what's happening. Right. And he's going to pop up again. Cause like, I've been just like waiting on the edge of my seat for that. I keep seeing it in the Mandalorian as well. Like they refer mm -hmm. to these sorcerers who fought with Mandalorians and like the guy that fought with the Mandalorians was Revan and yeah. he was BA and he killed loads of them. And then he hid their mask and like that what they should need to reunify the Mandalorians, but they're right. not really going that direction. And I'm like, I, I'm going to be so mad if they don't give me <laughs> Revan at this point. Because Okay, we have to talk about that too. Okay, as long as we're talking about yeah. good and bad, I sort of think that this counts as good. Yeah. That the world is so developed and big 
that you can have two people sit down, take the same, let's say, beginning episode or first few chapters of a book and reasonably expect that they would develop in completely different directions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's the size of the universe is, is absolutely like a key feature of Star Wars. And it's one of the best things about it. Cause like we've, we've been kind mm-hmm. of, of the mentality it's of you know, make Star Wars pulp, right? Like it used to be pulp and they've kind of, and, and, but then, so like, I've heard different arguments with this. So like, um, I believe I, I, I'm going to credit Dave Schmidt with this one. So Dave Schmidt uh, popped up on an episode a, a ways back and I expect we'll see more of him in the future, but um, cause he's rad that I was talking with him about star Wars. And the thing that's interesting is, is me and him have divided opinions on this. Cause my mentality is screw it. Just go full pulp. Give me neon lasers. Give me weird sword fights. Give me, right. you know, weird shark monster, Jim Henson cavalry charges. I don't care. Just do it. And like his mentality is no, actually. And, and I think his, I think his wife influenced him a little bit on this as well. Cause she was a big reader of the expanded universe and was effectively just like, look, the sci-fi elements are kind of what grounded that for me because it got right. a lot more sci-fi-y in those books. They kind of explain Way more. And Way I'm, more. I'm game for that too, but it's weird that the series seems to kind of have been able to straddle these things because the source material is really just not at all. Like I would argue it's not really hard at all. The only hard it's not. of it really is the technology that was needed to make it happen in the first place, right? So- like, so that's that's super interesting because you have two major pieces, right? Narratively, you the two major narrative pieces are the the Skywalkers, yeah, and everything else. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. so Star Wars is about the Skywalker, like line. Yeah. They're the space wizards. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else, everything else in the universe is pretty much hard sci-fi. And, and so you have this weird thing where, where the, every time you start to, to interact with the Skywalkers, things get softer. Things get a little bit more malleable. You have, you have rules that, exist for a while and then don't exist later like midichlorians you have you have power levels that go up and down depending on the narrative necessity so we're in this weird situation where the extended universe as opposed to the the whole skywalker softness Yeah, yeah yeah is actually really hard the spaceships are intricate and detailed the the factions are well-developed. The political structures are intricate. The biology of everything, all of the planets, they're good. They're are they, good. Are they, they set are. though? Are they? Because like, yeah, I'm, pretty, so, I'm pretty sure like, it was just a bunch so, of Jim Henson puppets. Like, I don't even think they really I'm tried about, to like, no, make those. Listen, yeah, I'm talking it. about the extended universe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, what you're talking about there, all those Jim Henson Is the movies. Puppets, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the movies. Yeah. And that's all Skywalker. And so anytime the Skywalkers are in, the whole universe just sort of melts into this pudding. Now- Here's here's where your argument works really well as well is Rogue One. 
right? Like exactly. honestly, like, so, so my, my, my running thing is this is so watching star Wars, there's an order right to be had with it. And I understand like uh, I, my position years ago was I want to be disappointed in the order George Lucas intended. That's and right. so, but that's not how I do it anymore. I do it in the machete order, right? Like, so here's how, here's how you do it. The machete orders, the machete order is weird. You start with episode four, right? A new hope. Mm-hmm. Then you do empire strikes back and then you stop. You go back to episode two. Why episode two? Because nothing significant happens in episode one. There is just not a reason for that movie. So you skip it. Right. No one needs to know why Jar Jar Banks is in the Senate. He doesn't even know. And so you do two and then you I do mean, revenge. Darth of the- Sidious. Well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we can we can dive into that, right? But the um, so any, anyway, you, you go through and you do you do two and you do three and then you go back and you do six. Why? Because this introduces the narrative idea of turning to the dark side as a Jedi, which right. nobody takes seriously that Luke will do if you watch four and five and six in order. You just know Luke is going to be the good because guy. it's not a threat. Yeah, but if you watch two and three and see how Anakin fell, it adds depth to the final conflict. Yep. Hence, the machete order is is the best way to do it. So here's what how I do it. I put and then Rogue you just one, I, skip seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, like I, I I've not decided how to include okay. that into it yet. <laughs> okay. it's like, it's just, I mean, are we pretending there's a coherent narrative coming off? No. Of like, I'm just like I'm done. Like I mean, I, and, and this even is the actually, directors didn't pretend there was a coherent narrative. So well, I don't I, think I need to. I don't actually hate those. I think quite as bad as I, as I think as I think you do. Like I enjoyed I enjoyed Force Awakens. Like I actually thought it was pretty good. Like I Listen, enjoyed that. I yeah. liked them. I liked them as films. I liked the cinematography. I thought they were good. I just didn't think they were very Star Wars. And you again, know. this is where it comes down to that split between the extended universe and the and the canon movies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, so, but talk to me about Rogue One. Sorry, I interrupted so, you there. Well, it's it's I was circling I was circling to a point in a really long roundabout way, like a Rian Johnson movie. So it was taking like some time. <laughs> but like the, so I watch Rogue One first. I watch it before episode episode four. Because okay. like here's the deal is that Rogue One is a military sci-fi movie, right? right? And it is about the cost of war. It is about the lengths that people will go to to resist to resist, you know, this big oppressive mm-hmm. empire. It does not paint the rebellion in a favorable light. They make these right. really noble sacrifices. They also kill informants when it's convenient. And like it's in right. fact it's one of the earliest scenes you get with um the uh, uh, the the kind of main rebellion liaison character in it. He murders a guy. Right. Rather than have him squeal the stormtroopers quick. Cause he's like, you're going to get caught <laughs> just shoots him and then escapes. And like yep. that movie asked some really interesting questions. But another thing is this, the force was a kooky backwards, weird religion thing. in It It never pops up. But then what happens at the end, Darth Vader freaking shows up and tears them a new butthole, like right at the end of the movie. And you're just right. like, <gasps> cause, and that's how so you- much for a kooky religion. Well, that's, that's exactly it, right? So then that adds weight. In the first movie, you're like, what is the force? What is going on? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then you have episode four and you have to go, we don't have time for your antiquated religion, Vader. And you're like, oh, it's going down. You know, he's going to get choked. You know, like yeah. that adds weight to that first movie. So narratively, I think Rogue One works as the best first movie in a Star Wars, in a Star Wars view. That's really that interesting. Reason. That's yeah. really interesting. And, and it brings up, so 
Okay. That brings up a lot of really important questions. Mm. And it highlights one of the biggest problems that Star Wars has. Yeah. And that is a lack of narrative coherency. Yes. And the narrative coherency casts a shadow on the world building that makes it harder to just accept this universe with all of this stuff in it. Because listen, none of this is a problem if you literally throw out all of the Star Wars movies, literally mm -hmm. all of them, just throw them all away and just read the books. Yeah. If you read the books, you're presented with this coherent narrative and a coherent world that sits underneath it. You know, you, yeah. you, you see sorcerers or like four sorcerers, right? Mm. They, they talk about the Sith and the Jedi and what they were. You mm. find out why a bunch of them died. Yeah. You find out why the Sith pursued this master apprentice. Uh, the rule of two, Darth Bane. The rule right? of two, yeah. You figure this stuff out as you read and... Then you see all of the cool ships and the weapons and the assassin droids and the mercenaries yeah. and the bounty hunters <clears throat> and the cool empires and the crazy <clears throat> creatures and these planets they go to that aren't just single biome. Yeah, yeah. Like the extended universe is a really, really good sci-fi universe with a weird pseudo-spiritual energy thing thrown in yeah but what's so fascinating is that was built by fans that was not built by cr the creators of star wars so so this is the thing that's interesting right is so like um jk rowling weighs in on her books like way too much right like she yeah, just she comes in and like banned. she retcons stuff and like changes things but you know who's doing a really really good job at expanding those books Super Carlin Brothers on YouTube. All yep. they do is talk about theories with the books and the fans mm -hmm. love it. There is a cottage industry to taking what is a very sparsely built world and, and Harry Potter is. That doesn't yeah. make it bad. The same way like as me and Seth are talking about like, you know, the depth of Star Wars world building, it varies from property to property. That's right. But we can agree that like a sparsely built world, one that slide on details can be good. Even if it doesn't mm -hmm. hold up to a lot of scrutiny, like Harry Potter doesn't. But a cottage industry of filling in those gaps has arisen. This is why there are guys like Stupendous Wave, Star Wars Theory, a number of people that just talk right. about Star Wars because the fans do a great job at expanding these worlds. And that is exactly right. why like, um, there's a whole pile of video games and books and right. movies about that that are good. And because J.K. Rowling holds this control, she says bat crap crazy stuff. And everyone goes like, Oh, I guess wizards poop in their robes. And like that literally a thing, right? And like that was like a thing she talked about at one point. It was just like, that's, a, that's absurd. Like just let the fans figure this stuff out and like yeah, build upon it real. because they're doing a better job. And like, that's what happened with Star Wars. It was a, it was a fan made enterprise. It was. Movies were so sparse. It was just a bunch of Jim Henson puppets and Mark Hamill. You know? <laughs> I mean, Jim Henson was amazing. Let's give him credit. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not knocking Jim Henson here. But I think that it is important to realize that even the people who were writing books were writing books 
far enough away from the movies, mm. like after the movies enough that they were fans. Yeah. They were people who were interested in expanding the universe, right? They weren't trying to create something new. Instead, they were trying to build some build out something that they loved. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it is and Star Wars has so many people that love it. And that's like the thing right. is it's like, it's where so many of us got our start. I'm pretty sure we're three generations deep into people that love Star Wars now to the point where there are generational divides in opinion on Star Wars. The point Absolutely. where you can say, oh, you're just a young whippersnapper. You don't understand why four, five, and six are the best. And right. you know, there's a the whole generation now that are saying, no, I was raised on one, two, and three. They're really good. And you're, and, and they were right. hated, hated at the time when they came out. Um, with the exception really of Revenge of the Sith, which I, as I understand it, is generally regarded as a very good movie. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, for and sure. If so, not the best, there are a lot of people who think it is the best. And I honestly am not, not too far, far away from that. Like honestly yeah. for me, Rogue One is actually my favorite of all right. of them. Like, but then like, I understand division on that. But like, the point is, is that like, Jeez, I mean, when, when you were talking about rambling incoherency, it got, it got me thinking about this, this idea that I had. See, I pushed for this episode title here, Star Wars, Good or Bad, because it's, it's an homage to a, a community uh, episode called Nicolas Cage, Good or Bad, right? So there's a class in this knockoff community college where they just have stupid, really, really stupid lessons and courses that you can take. And one of them they take is Nick Cage, Good or Bad. And the reality is, is like, no one can decide. And the way they pitch the show is they kind of say like, look, um, for this class, we're going to explore the question of whether or not Nick Cage is good or bad. And someone raises their hand and says, I've got the answer. And they're like, no, no, you, it, you can't answer that question. It's let's dispense with these childish fantasies that we can decide whether Nick Cage is good or bad. And so like they go into like this whole episode and eventually this dude just has a meltdown at the end of the episode where he just loses his mind and starts like, cracking out Nick Cage impressions and just goes, it's, 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 you can't figure it out. You just can't break it. Because like he, in some movies, he is indisputably good. The man has Academy Awards. Like, you know, it's like he, he is, he is good. He, he, he has done good work. You know, people, a lot of people have fond memories of many Nicolas Cage movies. And in the midst of all of that, there's just weird garbage that was not made better by Nick Cage being in it. It wasn't like, right. oh, that movie was terrible, but you know, Nick Cage really saved it. It's always like, that movie was terrible. What was Nick Cage doing? Like, you yeah. know, it's just like, I don't understand it. Why is he totally incoherent? And like, Star Wars is like that for world builders, right? Like, because the reality is, is Nick Cage good or bad? The best answer is, well, it depends on the movie, right? It's the same with Star Wars, right? It depends on the book depends on the movie depends on the game you know like yeah. loads of different stuff in there because absolutely you get stuff that's wild iterations of star wars like the, the kind of the equivalent of nick cage just breaking down into screaming things like force unleashed right like that 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 franchise one i'm not knocking it like it takes place in kind of a parallel universe kind of thing and so there's a lot of branch offs and they just acknowledge that their whole tagline for that game the whole thing they built that game around do you know what the phrase was hmm. kicking ass with the force which is amazing. Mission accomplished. People want to do. Mission accomplished. 
Like right. all you did for that entire thing was throw stormtroopers everywhere. That's and right. it was so satisfying. And like, that's fine. And they made a comprehensive story out of it that was fun, tight, coherent. And it just like, it was, it was completely outside of canon for Star Wars. The force powers were right. unreal. At one point, Starkiller literally pulls a Star Destroyer down from space. Not out of canon. Oh, really? Yeah, so no, in, in, in one of the graphic novels, Luke, who has been the, uh, who has fallen to the dark side and is the, um, the Emperor's clone's apprentice. Man, I feel like a nerd for knowing this. Yeah, um, go for he, it. He's supposed to kill his sister, decides he doesn't want to because she's been training. Uh, Leah's been, uh, Wow. Leia has been training in the ways of the force mm. and the emperor's clone decides, says, Luke, you have to kill your sister. He doesn't like that idea. So there are a bunch of dreadnoughts attacking the planet. Dreadnoughts are a speck of ship and he pulls them out of the sky and crushes the Imperial forces with them. You're freaking kidding me. No. And that's where they introduce the idea of the great, like the neutral Jedi. Yeah. A Jedi that straddles light and dark. So yeah. this is where, Oh man, I still I feel like even more of a nerd for yeah, going no, down this direction. Up. That's but why we started this both, podcast. That's right. So that's where they introduce the idea of the gray Jedi. And that's where they start to explore the idea of what happens when you have a Jedi who is not light side and not dark side. Yeah. yeah. And who brings balance to the force. Yeah. Because isn't that the prophecy, right? And so what if the prophecy is not actually about Vader? as the Jedi who brings balance to the force by killing off all the Jedi and leaving only master and apprentice on either side. But what if the prophecy is about Luke who brings balance to the force by embracing both sides of it and becoming effectively omnipotent in his use of the force, Hmm. which is the direction that star Wars was going in the extended universe until they realized that they wanted to, that that was going to sort of present a stumbling block narratively for, for having new Jedi. And so this is where anytime this is, it goes back to my point. Anytime the Skywalkers are involved, you have this weird problem where things grow for narrative but then have to shrink for narrative as well but but that's i think partly just because the narrative goes on forever like i but why i mean it could if you just went to different characters went to different characters but they don't want to do that right which is why i think the key to saving star wars right now is saying Mm. the skywalkers are done yeah characters now i think that's fine we're, we're past them Let's keep going. Yeah, I, I actually just, I, I always think it's okay to let things end because like, I, I right. think this is a, this is like partly a problem with, with these sorts of source materials is like inevitably you just want to keep building them. And like, I'm the type of person, like I finish a book and I'm honestly depressed for like a few days later. Like I'm very emotional and emotionally connected to the book. And when it's gone, I feel like the characters are dead and I need a little bit of time to mourn them. Listen, and yeah, you don't have to tell me about this. Hmm. I started writing a book series intending for it to be three books long that turned into five 
that turned into 10. Yeah. Now I think the first arc of the story is going to be told in 10 books. Yeah. I have two other arcs to tell after that. Oh, you're joking. Yeah. So like, I understand this, this problem from a narrative perspective, but yeah. having the courage and fortitude, this is also something I'm realizing as I'm writing. Yeah. Having the courage and fortitude to end something. Yeah. Is really important. Well, for people. Like it's it's important for the reader. It's important for the visitant mm. to your world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, we've still got like the old republic is is a line that can really be followed and is very, very interesting as 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 a topic, which is partly why like I'm obsessed with Revan, is because a lot yeah, of my Star Wars absolutely. was Knights of the Old Republic. Also, fun fact, Knights of the Old Republic 2, made by Obsidian, right? That was yeah. the guys, that was the, those were the guys who did Fallout One and Two. And mm-hmm. Fallout New Vegas, and it flipping mm-hmm. shows. They put so much work. Into it was that so good. Line. And then, it was um, so good. Well, well, Drew Crapshin, um, the the guy who he he wrote Mass Effect. He wrote he wrote he wrote a book about Revan. And I'll admit, first of all, like flipping love that book. It was just it was it was trashy, and it was fun, and it was fast. It was pulp. Like oh yeah, it was pulp. There's just a point where Revan just puts on his mask. And somebody tries to hit him with lightning and he's like, screw you, I'm Revan. And basically like blows them up. And it's like, <laughs> and you're like, yes, bullets. yes, yes, yes. And it's like the whole That's time, I think good. I'd literally just stop the book and went like, damn straight, yes. Like, just because it was so cool. Because Revan got his Mandalorian mask back when he right. went to the Sith homeworld. Anyway, the point is that crapped on everything they did in Knights of the Old Republic 2, where they talked right. about like Revan kind of essentially falling to the dark side because of a philosophical problem that he encountered that he couldn't yes. figure out. And I, I get the impression that it was much like... Um, Kaisar's Legion in, in New Vegas, because in New Vegas, you talk to Kaisar and Kaisar freely admits, I have an absolutely brutal regime. I am going to crush everyone in my path because this is the only mode of society that is That's equal right. to the brutality of the world. I look forward to a day when it will no longer be needed. But for now, I'm going Suck to kill it. all of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, that's his, that's his mentality. And like, yeah. you, you listen to him and you're just like, you know, he might be right. You know, right. Like, and it's like, and it's, and it's really horrible because like, he's such and an that's, person. But that's when you know that the world building has been tight enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because, because the cradle that you are laying in, that you are sitting in mm. is strong enough to support those ideas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There has to be a coherency to it. And this is the thing that I struggle with with Star Wars, right? Is like, it's difficult to kind of find the coherency behind it all because there's so many different properties and they have so many different things that they're yes. that they're good at doing like the 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 knights of the old republic series was phenomenal it was a great role-playing game they had to canonize a lot of force powers and and sift them into light and dark powers and things like that things that are not necessarily uh strictly canon in the way they operate right. like and but but they had to do that in order to gamify the force and to allow you to build up yeah. and to have satisfying conclusions also uh word to the wise if you're ever playing knights of the old republic you have to have at least one ranged skill because at the end of the game you encounter a situation where the bad guy will continually regenerate unless you throw lightsabers at back to tanks full of jedi that you're right. supposed to kill now um I didn't realize this, and I made a, a, a force consular who was a high force power using Jedi guy. I 
wiped the floor with everybody because I literally could just mind control entire rooms of people and then they would just kill them all. And then I got to the big boss and I was like, oh, I have to face you alone. I have no ranged powers. You keep healing and I'm no good at fighting with a lightsaber. Just FYI, I had to cheat to finish the game. But that was that was it because I made a BA character. It was just right. didn't work at all for the end of it. Anyway, uh, that's, my, that's my soapbox over. But like, yeah, all of those games have their own different strengths and they have their own like um, different kind of views of the universe. And you know what? We always want more. Like that's, that's the thing right. is, is the universe does something exceptional that we have always talked about here, which is it inspires wonder in your, in your readers, right? Like Mm -hmm. when they, when they look at that universe, you just go, I really want to know what the Sarlacc looks like underneath the sand. You know, like you really want to know. And like the reality blaster work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How, how, how do lightsabers ignite? You know, why do they have to construct them as a, as a Jedi apprentice? You know, why do, why do only the Jedi use lightsabers? Why are they deadly for everybody else? Yeah, yeah. Why, why do the spaceships like, yeah. The truth is, 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 is that lightsabers just eliminate your sperm count so you can't reproduce. (laughs) Like that's, 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 that's why that, that's why you never see Jedi children. Oh man. (laughs) I think the the real reason that you don't see Jedi children is order 66. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I know. You can see that you don't see them anymore. But they call them younglings, all right? Like, I have a problem with younglings. It just makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Because, like, and, and everybody calls them younglings. It's clearly a Yodaism. So, Seth, I, I, think, I think the real question is, what can we actually gain from Star Wars? Like, what can somebody who's writing a book or, like, putting together a video game, just piecing together a narrative, how, how what do we get from, from watching Star Wars? What do we learn? Sure. So, I think there are two hyper-applicable pieces of information that we can pull out of this. Yeah. The first is that your fans are going to build your world. And I know we've talked about this before, but but there is no IP that this is more true for than Star Wars. As we mentioned, the people who wrote the books for Star Wars, the extended universe, they were all fans. When people built video games for Star Wars, they were sometimes second generation fans of star wars people who grew up with star wars and loved it so much that when they got the chance to work on an ip they poured their heart and soul into it and so this idea that you can let your fans build the world is in my opinion it's it's something that we can all take away right we don't have to build every single little piece i mean that that that, that's 100 true that's 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 like a thousand percent true that that is a thing that we keep coming back to in this podcast is that Mm -hmm. like you know it's it's at the end of the day like we 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 love to use like fancy words like visitant we learned it from major and gramps like ever since then i've been like the visitant um yeah highfalutin um but the uh he is a doctor after all (laughs) don't don't let him know um (laughs) no so it's um the, the deal with it is, is like, at the end of the day, your fans are always the ones making your world. 
right? Like you can give them the breadcrumbs and you can give them the themes to work off. And as long as those themes are coherent, as long as the aesthetic is clear, people will build around it what they want to see. And that's really what happened with Star Wars. You know what I mean? It's like we, we looked at the Sarlacc and it was literally a hole in the ground with some like puppeteered like tentacles and it, when you look into it, it made it sound like a dying goat with like Bleh! and you're like wow it would suck to die in there it's like that's right. got that hole's got a lot of teeth in it right like your imagination was left to wonder what's underneath there you know and, and people kept- and then we found out and then we found out that boba fett survives yes and, and then he- we're like wait how long does it take the sarlacc to digest something yeah well we can determine based on how long Boba Fett was in there, mm. what kind of damage he sustained and how he got out all of these different pieces of the biology of the Sarlacc. Yeah. And, and the fun thing is, is just, just for a little bit of point of reference here, why I think Boba Fett's going to tarp in the Mandalorian. So uh, in episode three of season two, episode two Spoilers! of season two, uh, there, there's a crate dragon, right? They encounter a crate dragon and the crate dragon um, is living in, an, in a defunct Sarlacc pit. There is no longer a Sarlacc in there. And they say, who could kill a Sarlacc? And they say, oh, well, the crate Dragon probably killed it. I'm like, no. It was definitely Boba Fett. That was Boba Fett. But, um, was so, Boba so he's definitely going to show up. And a dude in the, in the, in the, in the seat, street was wearing his armor. Also, um, finding a crate Dragon Pearl is a really powerful augmentation to a lightsaber, which you discover in Knights of the Old Republic, which That's is right. where Revan is. So I'm waiting for Revan. Anyway. Um, full circle. Yeah. Speaking of full, full circle. It always comes back second- to Revan. That's right. The second piece that I think that we can take away from Star Wars and we can apply it to our own worlds is that mixing genres is totally fine. As long as you respect the pieces and the predilections of each genre. So what do I mean by this? I mean that if you're going to make hard sci-fi, make hard sci-fi. No problem. But if you want to introduce a soft magic system, then do it. You can do it. You can mix. You can take that fantasy piece and you can take that hard sci-fi. You just have to respect the boundary, right? You have to be able to say, this is hard sci-fi and this is our soft magic system that Mm -hmm. we've laid over top of it. Yeah. And it's okay to say, we don't know how it works. Yeah. It's a soft magic system. Yeah. Nobody knows how it works. It's an old kooky religion. But it sits over top of detailed war machines, spaceships, and, and all sorts of other hard sci-fi pieces. Yeah, It works. It can work. I guess, I guess the the question is narratively, does it serve a purpose? Mm. And, and, and people will go a long way with your world building if it's in support of a good narrative. Like you can, mm-hmm. you can just make up for a shed That's load right. of sins just by doing that. So like, That's right. I, it's like recently I, I, I talked to, um, I posted this a little while ago on our Facebook page. Uh, like Which you Facebook. should join by yeah. the way because you get tons of cool stuff like this. So I talked to a demographer about Harry Potter and he just like laid out how many witches or wizards he thinks probably live in the UK. It's different than you think. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so it was phenomenal. (laughs) And so we like, we, he worked it out for me and it was like, it was a monster tweet, man. Like he just, he tweet stormed me and it was phenomenal. And like his, his whole deal though, is like, he broke that world apart to bits. And like, the truth is, is that JK Rowling's world is like very shatterable. You know what I mean? But it's like, incredibly. Yeah. But there was also, she, she just stuck to the bit. She just committed to the bit. Like the Harry Potter stories are about friendship. They're about love. They're about compassion. And um, magic is there as well. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's right. And like, that's kind of how Star Wars works is like Star Wars was was in a lot of ways, like the triumph of of a slim hope, you know, it was about redemption. It was about restoration. Mm -hmm. And like those narratives like reign supreme. That's why, you know, Star Wars gets a lot of credit for, um, you know, the hero's journey, which has been around for 1 billion years. But it was, you know, that that was the model that he used. Ironically as well, it's interesting. This is actually the same model that every Rick and Morty episode is built off. It's just kind of fascinating. They always do the hero's journey every single time. Every episode, mm-hmm. the hero gains something at the end of it and learns something about themselves and uh, gains a new ability. And it's like fascinating stuff. And like that honestly will make up for so many world building problems because there are always going right. to be so many world building problems. Well, and to go back to our first point, because fans will explain it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fans will do the work thing. for you of yeah. explaining it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that doesn't mean like you you, you get away. You, you should like seek to put massive incoherencies in your world. But to be fair, no, of course not. Movies like Scott Pilgrim prove that you can just do that sometimes. You know what I mean? It was it was it was coherent uh, thematically. It's all that mattered. Good, and story. that's all that matters. Thematic coherency. Yep. It doesn't yeah. matter that people are teleporting. Anyway, so. I think that Star Wars has a lot of lessons for us. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that I think that it's fair to say that there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad in yeah. Star Wars. It's like Nick Cage. It, exactly. You can't You'll never get to the bottom really of it. quantify it. Yeah. Because the standards by which you're judging it are so drastically different. So Here's my question then. Where did you first encounter Star Wars and how did it change the way you viewed it, right? Like, I want to find somebody who had never encountered Star Wars but played The Force Unleashed and was like, this changed the way I viewed Star Wars. I was really disappointed when Vader seemed like such a pansy because he couldn't throw, you know, like whole starships at Luke when they were fighting. Like, somebody who just read the expanded universe or just encountered Rogue One as their first thing. Like, how did you experience this world and how did it draw you in? You want to hear how I experienced this world first? How'd you do it? Louis L'Amour? Did he no. write Star Wars? <laughs> no. I read the first things I did. I read a Star Wars encyclopedia. Yeah. And I read Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy. You read Thrawn. Oh, yeah. No, and that was waiting. That it. was legitimately my first experience with Star Wars. And then I saw the movies and I thought to myself, oh, these are good. Yeah. But because I had an almost encyclopedic knowledge from reading this ency- Star Wars encyclopedia cover to cover multiple times. That's amazing. Yeah. I went pretty much as nerdy as possible from the get-go. 
and, and this is the thing that like amazes me though, is so we just talk about like narrative and how important narrative is. Seth's like, I'm gonna start with the encyclopedia because like, I don't like, and that's the magic of Star oh, Wars though. Oh, I have killed hours on Wikipedia, hours. That's right. And in addition to that, I memorized all of the questions to Star Wars Trivial Pursuit because I'm that kid. <laughs> I think I, I, I think we peaked, Seth. I, I, I think we're done. Like I think the podcast oh, is done. Man. I don't know if we'll ever we'll ever get a better reveal. Like, right. So yeah. don't challenge Seth in a game of Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. No, I've forgotten all of them because none of my friends wanted to play with me. I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why too. Speaking of, not at all. This is actually a complete change of subject. Hold on, sequitur. Total non sequitur. No, speaking of, if you are interested in learning all sorts of inside details about the podcast, you should come and join us on Patreon. Oh, yeah, you definitely should. Because you know what you get? Free episodes. You get a bunch of extra episodes. We do an extra one every month. So you will get six episodes right off the bat and another and another one every month that will, that going forward. So you get a different podcast experience from the, from the rubes out there that only listen. Well, no, you're not rubes. You're good. We like you. We but, like all of you. But $2 a month, $2 a month. You get so much more. And, that and those, those episodes are a little bit different than these ones. We try to uh, take some of the polish off. Give you a little look to, behind the curtain. Yeah, we just, we're a little bit more relaxed, I think, in those episodes. Plus, if you're a patron, you're going to get the opportunity to speak into the podcast, direct some of the episodes, help determine what it is we actually talk about. Do you want us to dive into Dishonored series? Because I'd really like to. Because Seth wants to. Vote for it on (laughs) Patreon. That's right. So thank you all so much for joining us for this episode of the Worldcraft Club. And we hope that you will join us next time and on Patreon.